Okay, a little bit of housekeeping. We have three really great podcasts out just in live format. I'm going to try to crank those out before the election because they're pertinent to that on June 7th. I'm not sure how many I will have finished by June 7th, so definitely go watch the live streams just in case. They're with Michael Acosta, Natalie Arroyo, and Adrian Kamada. I definitely recommend checking out all three. They're all on the ballot, again, for June 7th. Make sure to go out and vote. So yeah, that's all the housekeeping I have. Our guest today is so cool. She was amazing. I had really, really had a blast talking with her. She's a freelance reporter, and she's just awesome. I really, I would almost do her an injustice by talking about how cool she is. So I'm going to let her take it from here. Please give it up for Ryan Hudson. Ryan, how's it going? I'm very, not to catch you mid-drink or anything. I'm very excited (laughs) to talk with you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I was actually just uh, watching one of your videos about the DA race. Uh huh. I the think one, I know which one. The one with uh, the Kamada incident. I yes. think you could call it. I think I may have called it <laughs> the incident. Yeah, it was definitely a moment um, that was unexpected. I've already played it back like thirty times. It was unexpected. I I was sitting there in the front row, just doing the live stream thing, um, which I frequently do for Kim Kemp at the Redheaded Black Belt, and um, you know. I'm one of those politics nerds, I dare say. Like, I really do enjoy just showing up and sitting through an hour more, two hours more of of politics. So, um, and I think there's value in just providing that after the fact. People can go back to it, watch it either in segments or the whole thing, you know, and get a vibe because this is important. It's an election. We're voting for for people who are holding public office. So, and it's the DA office, which yeah. is which is huge. This is not just some mm-hmm. low level position. This is this makes an impact in the community. It does. The DA is one of those um, one of those races and those offices that you seldom hear about until there's a problem, you know? Yeah, it's never, so, they're never in the good, the news for like a good thing. Like, not oh, yeah. so much. Not, I mean, you know, there's always a press release when they want to um, highlight something that they've done effectively. But, you know, frequently we hear about the DA for, for other reasons yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Were you, I mean, were you just shocked sitting there? So for people that don't know, mm. it was a question regarding billboards in wetlands and more specifically Kamada's billboards I guess he has a lot of them around the area I've seen a few okay yeah I haven't seen any yet they're you know it's a really nice little family portrait and it's on a big billboard and most of our billboards are kind of um you know along highway 101 and that tends to border a lot of uh the bay and in between so um I didn't see that question coming. I did not, you know. Um, and and I've just been loosely following the DA's race so far, so I really wasn't 
You were caught off guard. I, I was kind of caught off guard by that. So um, <laughs> I remember like kind of zooming in and out kind of frantically a couple times, kind of like going, oh my God, I'm trying to happening? anticipate the yeah. movements of people and where they're going to walk off to and see, you know. So, yeah. Has there been any talk about or, or any confusion around where he's gotten the funding for those? Is that what the issue was? Or it's because it seemed like there was a nefarious mm-hmm. spin of, oh, who's where is he getting all the money? Yeah, I think that that was part of um, I think that that was probably the the reason for that question, really. Was I to mean, kind of skirt around that and hope he it, hit on it. You know, there is <laughs> kind of getting it in there under the guise of, um, and I have no idea who submitted the question. I'm pretty curious to know who submitted that question. And uh, the the moderator actually also said that there were several questions regarding billboards and how, you know, it's a really hot topic lately. And I thought, really? Why does everybody Why suddenly care about billboards? About bi- yeah. So I thought, hmm. I mean... I digress. So, um, <laughs> I didn't see it coming, and but I thought, well, he's claiming to be, um, you know, an environmentally aware prosecutor. He claims, you know, you know, he doesn't claim, but he did win the Environmental Prosecutor of the Year Award in the state of California, and that's a specific award. It's not just the Prosecutor of the Year in California. So. I think that the question was sort of juxtaposing, you know, that claim of his that that he's a champion of the environment with, oh, well, why did you do these billboards? And then his response kind of shocked me because um, I thought he was a little defensive and I didn't see that part coming either, you know. So, um, yeah, the campaign contributions, I think, was the underlying element there and there, there's a way that you're supposed to declare campaign contributions. I think it's a 460 form. It's like roughly what it's called. And so you're supposed to fill that out in a specific way and declare certain parts of that um, are, are more specific than others and file that with the state. And I think that's something that's supposed to be publicly available too. So people can find out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's, what's actually going on. Yeah. I yeah. was surprised... His response did not surprise me. That first really? initial response. Yeah. I saw that and I was like, oh, this video's kind of tame. Mm-hmm. Like I wonder what the next... What's happening? Yeah. What <laughs> What surprised me was mm-hmm. Stacy's response. Stacy mm-hmm. Eats. Mm-hmm. That surprised me when she got up and said that. I was like, okay, what is going on here? What is happening? Because yeah. if she's... I Full yeah. disclosure, I had her on the podcast and we talked. Right. I saw some. And she, yeah, she seems so nice. And right. then to see her kind of bring down the hammer i was like okay is Uh there something here that i should Uh be aware of what's going on yeah i'm i really haven't been around her that much so um that was new to me i hadn't seen that kind of feistiness and um yeah she came out swinging yeah and i thought well that's a prosecutor you know and um i'm sitting there watching it happen and i'm thinking okay so she's putting some some skills on display here Right. And I just did not expect it to go the the way that it did. And they they it just sort of erupted right in front of me. You know, yes, I don't know what else very, to say. <laughs> he was very defensive when he got up to rebuttal what she said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was very defensive. Yeah. It was kind of like a flip of the switch. Yeah. And the other part of it sitting there from my perspective 
um, you know, there were people on both sides of me kind of hollering back at each candidate. And um, Michael Acosta, the third candidate, he was the only one who seemed to be, um, you know, he wasn't getting that kind of playback from the audience. And so after that, during during the live stream, the rest of it, the mod the moderator kept reminding the audience to chill out, no clapping, please. Let's just simmer down, kind of a thing, so we can focus on the topics and the questions and the answers. And it there was some tension. Did that happen early on in that? It, I think that happened at the um, at like the seventeen minute mark or something. Okay. Is that it full was, video online? It was the second question in the whole... Yeah, the whole thing is live streamed, and you can find that um, at Kim Kemp's Facebook page. So you can see the whole thing. But um, Redheaded Black Belt's Facebook page, I should say. So that's where it is in its entirety. And I, um, you know, I snipped out that little spot because it just kind of took me back. I can't believe that was the second question. It was, the I had to check because, so they do a little intro and they, you know, introduce themselves, all three of them, they go. And then, um, I think there was one quick question and then there was the billboard question. And like within 20, 25, the first 25 minutes that had happened and it was a little bit, um, was a way to start the, the debate, I guess, the forum. <laughs> was the audience still pretty rowdy after that? Mm -hmm. I'm guessing when mm -hmm. that was happening, everybody yeah. was kind of on the edge of their seat. I mean, I, somebody, I, it was apparent that somebody was anticipating this question, right? And so... Well, someone submitted it. So they were... So, and I don't, I think that there was more than one person kind of waiting for this particular topic to come up because there was just so much response in the audience. And um, I, I don't know. It was, it was a lot and I didn't want to like turn and look because I'm holding the camera or I'm kind of guiding the footage and I didn't want to miss anything in front of me to see who's jeering behind me. <laughs> yeah. All the jaws just on the floor from the audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's something there? Hmm. Do you think with Kamada's campaign, do you think with that the there's... With the donations? Yeah. Do you think there's something going on or is that just a smear I mean, he said it was his campaign? high school friends that... Yeah, he said it was a smear. for it. And so I believe he's probably being honest about that. I don't know if there's um, any discrepancies to be found in the 460 forms. That would be interesting. I haven't had the opportunity to look at those. Um, but yeah, I think somebody is. So... Trying to smear him. No, I don't know about that. I think that somebody's looking at the 460 forms to oh, see to whether or not. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know yet. I don't know. I don't know yet. I mean, we. I guess I'm interested to know if, um, if, if maybe he didn't provide all the information he was supposed to, you know, but mm -hmm. when he was asked, he just said it was, it's my high school friends and you can ask them. And I thought, well, maybe I will. But I haven't had that opportunity yet. And, you know, honestly, I just, I'm kind of stepping away from the DA's race a bit. And I just kind of want to watch the dust settle and see what happens. And I know people are looking into that. So I'm curious. Yeah, what makes me curious is Stacy's reaction. That mm -hmm. makes me curious. 
Yeah. She doesn't strike me as... It was intense. Yeah. And she doesn't strike me as always being on in that way. Uh-huh. So the fact that right. she came out swinging makes me think, okay. Yeah. Well, you're, you've literally spoken to her for a longer amount of time than I have. And, you know, so um, I... You have a better feel for how how she would respond to pressure, probably, having asked her a few questions. So I I don't I had never seen that um, the feistiness, like I said, you know. Um, yeah, I haven't really watched very many interviews either, but she's always very well composed. Yeah, we only, I want to say we only talked maybe two hours and she's definitely mm-hmm. passionate that comes across uh-huh. she's definitely passionate about her job in a good way mm-hmm. but that's a different kind of passion it seems like there's oh, tension yeah, th- between like those there, two there was definitely some frustration coming across you know yeah yeah she seemed ready she's like oh i'm gonna hit this nail on the head i let's, I, let's... I thought well she's at least thought about this topic this is maybe something that gets you know um addresses the whatever issues um revolving ethics you know so i think that that's been a big topic in the da's race just in general i mean there's been accusations of a lack of transparency in the da's office and that that needs to be addressed you know uh whether or not talking about cases via press release is is um appropriate in some context so there's been some some um, some discussion about ethics, you know. So I think that that may be just kind of guessing, right? But I think that that may be where it's at for her. Um, well, for all of them, I guess. I guess they're all pointing the ethics finger. I'm not sure, you know. Just passing it around. Mm-hmm. She seems pretty ethical, and I'm biased mm-hmm. because I've only talked to her for right. that limited time. Right. But she seems like she has a strong ethical code, which but mm-hmm. she doesn't seem like the type to just throw out accusations. I mean, the thing is, I haven't heard anything um, unethical. I haven't heard so much as a rumor of an unethical thing. And that's not something I can say for the other two candidates. Oh, they have things against them? At least. Or gray area? Yeah, gray area would be a good way to put it, I think. Mm-hmm. Acosta as well. Acosta and Kamada, those are the two. As I understand it, you know, um, but I think that's a, that's why it's in the gray area. Maybe it's not well understood. What is your, do you know off the top of your head what that gray area was for each of them? Um, I don't, I am not at liberty to, I'm kind of holding a couple things back for, you know. Yeah, you're a reporter, I, do, I get I it. <laughs> I do you have a couple. You gotta keep the scoop. <laughs> That's right. So I've got a couple things um, under my belt that I don't want, um, I'm not ready. You're not ready to play yet. Yeah, I'm not sure how, how I'm going to present that information. If I'm going to, I want to be able to verify it. I'm not, I don't feel comfortable just sort of repeating what I would call a rumor, you know. That's a that's a good trait to have in a reporter. I, well, in anyone, but hope. especially a reporter. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I have to have people be able to trust me when I do say something about, I, I want to be able to um, dot the I's and cross the T's. So, Do you feel like a lot of reporters today share that sentiment? And you're kind of the last of the Mohicans? No, no. I feel, I feel like, um, no, I think it's, you know, we got to hold the line. 
you know, um, at least I, I don't know anybody that, um, I don't think I work with anybody that, um, that has loose standards of ethics in that way, you know. That's just one of those I've things. I've been really that... lucky too, though, to have good and who editors work with. and coaches and yeah, people. That's yeah. the thing, right? Is that fake mm-hmm. news is just That's thrown around. It. Yeah. It's fake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know where to go with that one. Um, I find it really frustrating when people don't trust the media because I think of media as, you know, your friendly neighborhood reporter or, um, you know, local, local news. Like, so, um, you know, this is our, these are our neighbors, our friends, our family and our community we got to be able to look these people in the eye and we see them in public all the time. This is it's a small town sort of vibe. So we don't have the luxury of just, you know, rolling out fake news or whatever. So I, it kind of, it's difficult for me as just a local reporter, a local freelance journalist to, to combat that sentiment. Although I do understand, of course, the distrust there is in like corporate media and the national media. That's what I was thinking when I so, asked that question. Right. I was it was interesting and hearing I you talk about think about local media because yeah. I'm like, not me. <laughs> We're part of the good guys. Yeah. Do you get a lot of that? That wasn't even mm-hmm. on my radar. I was not even thinking about local I was thinking CNN, Fox News. Right. I was thinking I mean more I, conglomerate I think media. people glom it together. You know just anybody in news. Uh-huh. I think that when I do hear that sentiment, it's people um, who aren't thinking critically about the nuances in journalism. Does it anger you when you see those big guys throwing their weight around and pushing through a story that's not 100%? It frustrates me sometimes, you know. Yeah, sometimes. I don't know. It's... um, I don't know how big media works, you know, so I guess I have a lack of understanding in, in how um, how you could balance profits with news, really. You know what I mean? That seems like the heart of the problem, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. is it's a business mm-hmm. and you got to draw clicks, you got to draw eyes. It's not... Right. We need to put this story forward because the people need to know. Yeah. It's what's going to make us the most money at the end of this quarter. Yeah. See, I might be naive, <laughs> but that's okay. You've only ever been freelance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been fun. I mean, I've I've had the luxury of just covering things that interest me or that I feel are valuable to my community. So, um yeah, it's been it's been fun. I've had this kind of streak of of luck or good fortune or or um, you know, I, it's been really nice to to be able to do the writing and the research and to represent people's stories locally and and then um, be offered to to get paid even something any anything for it, you know, is really is really a blessing and it's it um, I'm honored. How does that all work? Do you Hmm. just hang out around town and hope that (laughs) something happens? I have no time to hang out. I was going to (laughs) say. You know, I I take an interest in a topic, right? And then I kind of just seek it out and look into it, find find out stuff. 
frequently the things are brought to my attention and this is I guess it's kind of snowballed into a thing that happens um yeah and working with the red-headed black belt I'll I'll have opportunities to go you know do a breaking news thing once in a while so it'll be something that's almost like an assignment but it's kind of like oh this is happening are you available so it's fun it's it's kind of exciting and I'm frequently busy but when I am you know just kind of I don't know, gardening or <laughs> I can drop what I'm doing and run out for a, um, a breaking news thing. So do you have a tip line or anything where people call? I you? should have a yeah, tip that would line. Be great. <laughs> no, just I a think... burner phone. Hey, mm-hmm. you see something, call me. <laughs> yeah. It occurred to me one time and I thought, no, that's just asking for it. You know? <laughs> yeah. People might abuse that. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I did. Um, I used to make little business cards when I was freelancing and um, kind of, and I, they had my, my personal contact information on there and I would, oh yeah, I would go to a rally, any kind of public event, community event, dish them out. And, um, and they even said on the back, anonymous tips are welcome. Everybody will be respected. All sources will be respected. So I did get a few calls. That was fun. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah. I think that actually helped with the nursing reporting. What did you do on the nursing? Oh, I had um, a lot of fun. I shouldn't call it fun, but, you know, I I find it valuable. So um, I put a lot into it. So I did a lot of investigative reporting on the, the COVID, um, the hurdles of COVID within St. Joe's Hospital and kind of how nurses and staff were coping with that over time, mostly during the Delta surge, but even before that, lots of reporting on local hospital and healthcare issues. Mm-hmm. How did that all pan out? I would imagine they're pretty stressed. Oh, yeah. Lots of stress. Lots of stress. Horror stories. Um, lots of, lots of stress. Um, yeah, there's <laughs> there's some good reporting on it. Um yeah, and I met a few really valuable, um, you know, nurse friends, I may call them, um, people in the community that help our relatives and people who end up in the hospital system every day, um, just to hear what they go through and, and the kind of struggles that they, they deal with in their job capacity, but also with the added complications of of COVID-19, where they had all this extra PPE you know, personal protective equipment where they have this just shields and gowns and masks and I have to change donning and doffing every time they go in and out of the room, you know, extra staff required, um, extra ventilation, just the whole nine yards. So it was kind of a twilight zone moment in the healthcare industry, right? So, yeah. They're still locked down pretty hard even now. Mm-hmm. They still have all the plexiglass up inside. Yeah, a lot of people still do. And I don't think it's um, really going to go away very soon. Yeah. You think it's here to stay for a bit? I, I kind of feel like it'll, you know, it's endemic in some places already. And um, the virus keeps mutating. There's like, the th- I think, the third variation on um, Omicron now floating around. So... Um, And if we look at the state numbers, it's climbing again, um, both in hospitalizations, I think, and in deaths slightly. There's always a lag in deaths and hospitalizations as to when the case numbers go up, but it's climbing again, so that's not no no good. 
You know what freaks me out? Have you heard anything about monkeypox? Oh east? my god, I did see that. Yeah. Yep. I've kind of loosely like, been following that. Yeah. It's <laughs> we have monkey pups. It's kind of freaking me out a little bit because mm-hmm. it started mm-hmm. a couple a couple days, maybe a week ago, and it was yeah. one case CDC said don't worry, not a big deal, no reason to be alarmed. Has it gotten to California? I don't think so, but I, I'm pretty sure there's at least 6 cases in a few different states now. Okay, cuz that's worse than when I looked. I, I yeah. guess it was Thursday that I noticed it. I thought, okay. It's not yeah. funny. Yeah. The first, I saw it and I was, I sat Ugh. there and said, okay, worth noting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Monkey pox. Monkey pox. Scary branding. Way better than COVID. Way scary branding. So scary. It reminds me of Outbreak. You know? The... I have not seen that movie. Okay. You got to go see I need that to. movie. Like almost immediately. I have to say that. <laughs> As a local kid, um, having, oh, Outbreak shot here in Ferndale. Oh my God, Dustin Hoffman, Morgan Freeman, Dave Silverbrand, our local famous newsman, right? Can't go wrong. I got to see it. It's been on my list for a while. Yeah. I need to just commit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Um, Never gets old. Yeah. But how scary, right? Yes, monkeypox. I don't know. Yeah, and they're treating it with smallpox medications. Oh, I I haven't seen that. I thought, oh. Okay, that's that brings it up to another level of horrifying to me. I mean, I don't know. It's it's sort of comforting that they have something, right? But I thought, what the fuck? Kind of like a resurgence of a variation on the theme or whatever. So that's not making me feel good. And it doesn't look good. Have you seen the pictures? Yes. It doesn't look like chicken pox. It looks way worse. It looks horrifying. Yeah. Dotted Um, blisters. Pussy, open sores, blistering. Sorry. Yeah, we should put a warning on the little. (laughs) I'll have to include an image now, and then we'll do a graphic warning. (laughs) Put that up. Ew. Um, And they say it's not that, like, not fatal necessarily or not as fatal i i don't know what have you heard i haven't looked that deep into it yet okay i gotta do some digging now that it's up to six kind of scared me kind of scared me i did say that kids of course are more vulnerable so um yeah what freaked me is that the cdc for that first case said not everybody's good don't Uh worry it's not gonna spread yeah and now we're at six and i'm like yeah i get that uh, you know close proximity Mm -hmm. now if it now that it's in different states. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yikes. I'm, I'm just thinking, okay, we seem to, like, the Humboldt County um, geographical, you know, the benefit of our remoteness. We're pretty good. We're pretty good. We've got some islands buffering. We've got that ocean. But <laughs> I'm always like, it's just a matter of time. You know, I feel like a fatalist. Right? We, <laughs> it's easy to slip into that, right? We almost can't mm-hmm. catch a break. No, we cannot. It's COVID. It's <laughs> Ukraine. Now it's... Well, inflation and, and gas and all that in there, too. Right. And now monkeypox. I mean, great time to be a reporter, though. I have had no shortage of interesting material. Oh, you know, people are starting to siphon gas. <laughs> Is that happening here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to get a locking gas cap now I that we know. did this. Yeah. No, get a locking gas cap. That's right. Um, are catalytic converters still a thing? 
Is that oh, that's someone? that was happening. Re- um, I did hear about a couple people who had an experience with that locally, and I thought, oh my god, that was pretty big. I don't really know about that. I'm I'm not very car savvy. <laughs> I like to admire cars and look at cars, but um, not sure why the the cat is so um, valuable. I think it's because there. <laughs> There's some small amounts of a metal that I can't think of the name like of. a precious metal Yeah. That's the idea. They okay. don't want the catalytic converter. They want that the, oh. material that's inside of it. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know if they melt it down and sell it right. or something they else. They must have a way to extract yeah. it or something. I know that it was something that's in there that they, that's what they want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that was big nationwide for a minute. Yeah, I know um, there was some news coming out of Oregon that it was a real problem. Yeah, it's just not very far away. And I thought, well, it must be. If it's in Oregon, it's almost always in Humboldt. <laughs> what are your favorite stories to report on? Do you like going crime um, or news? I like politics and I like um, healthcare stuff. Yeah, I really like politics and healthcare. Um, environmental issues. Yeah, I love a good King Tide story, you know, where the sea level rise is a problem. All of a sudden, sea level, it's creeping on you, but it's a big problem. I like those. It's kind of nerdy, but I like the science stuff. I like data. Yeah. Well, and with healthcare and politics specifically, you can get you can get lost fast. There's oh, no shortage. Total rabbit holes, just left and right rabbit holes, black holes, all kinds of holes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And those are also the the subjects that I, I've, I mean, I guess it's the main things that I like to report on, but I do also find that those are the things that nobody finds sexy, you know, <laughs> to, to read about at length. So, um part of that challenge is just kind of making it interesting or explaining why it's, you know, why it's important or why people should pay attention. I really, I, maybe it's dorky, but I feel like we do need an informed electorate. So, you know, I wish I had more time to do reporting during election season and all the whole lead up is a huge big deal. You know, the way elections you know, wind up and roll out and then fizzle and or don't, you know, I find it really interesting. So um, I like to be able to sort of get that out of my system with the reporting. I don't know if it's because I haven't been paying attention for very long, mm. but it seems like everybody is watching the elections nowadays, local all the way up to the right, president, especially the, the, the presidential top. one. But that's interesting. Um, cause you've got yeah. the auditor controller race. Now you've yeah. got the board of supervisors. Mm-hmm. Now there's some stuff with the DA race. Yeah. There's everything's pulling your attention. Yeah. Um, but I'm only, I'm 24, so I don't actually, right. I, I don't have that much experience. So well, I that's can't fun. You know, that far. I'm glad that people are getting into it. I think it's, it's really important, you know, um, I always told my son, it's it's like politics is life. Life is politics. You really look at it, it's hard to separate the two things. You just go on about your daily business. But the there's nuance to everything if you look at it. And um, it's hard to separate yourself from the consequences of politics 
whether it be the district attorney's office or, you know, who's running for local judge. Humboldt County Superior Court judge has an open seat. That's a kind of a whopper. Um, yeah. Or who's holding a seat on the board of supervisors is a big deal, you know. City council is sort of a step up to that. So or a step, you know, it's in line with that. And so it's important. These are the people who are making decisions about, you know, public funding. What are we doing with our money locally? And, um, yeah, it's important for people to be engaged, you know. And, again, it's important to be informed, at least mm-hmm. on some level. Mm-hmm. You want to have a, at least a cursory knowledge yeah. of what's going on, what everybody stands for, mm-hmm. what direction they swing. Right. I think that's... That's really important. And, and I, a lot of people yeah. a lot of people don't don't invest any time in that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you say that. I forgot to say one of the other things I really enjoy reporting on is our local like social issues. I love going no to No shortage. No shortage. So, you know, you can usually find me at a rally live streaming for the Redheaded Black Belt or for my own channel or I can um, do little video interviews. You've probably seen some of those. So I really do like to just try to do the man on the street, person on the street interview thing and um, ask what how people feel about whatever's hot topic, you know, whether it's the Roe versus Wade problem right now um, we're having or whether it's, um, you know, the George Floyd protests back then, the ongoing campaign for justice for Josiah Lawson, that homicide in Arcata, um, various things, you know. Um, yeah, so I really do like trying to get engaged with different community events and see what the pressing topics are for people and kind of put that on blast. What's the most pressing topic on the streets right now? Roe versus Wade? Oh, that's definitely, I think, one of the main... um, Yeah, there's been several rallies, and I know there's a whole slate of them scheduled. I can't remember what they are off the top of my head. But there's going to be an ongoing, um, you know, effort to sort of bring it to another national conversation and keep, keep that conversation going. Um, several groups are going to be collaborating on that is my understanding. So that'll be something to keep up with, I think, for me. <laughs> is that the one that's grabbing most people's attention right now, in your opinion? Um, you know, locally or na- nationally? Nationally, I think it's huge. What about locally? Yeah, locally, um, politics, local politics seem to be really taking a forefront right now too you know there's um the da's race and that's getting a lot of attention (laughs) and um the auditor controllers race that's getting a lot of attention and so i it's kind of a weird time in local politics right now um i i don't know it's it's people are very wound up about about local stuff so um the roe versus way it doesn't actually seem as as popular as frantic or as um as talked about i should say at least in what i'm looking at lately and i maybe i'm just centered on the issues that i need to be focused on for reporting so that could also be it i'm in a bubble and i think 
we're a little biased here mm-hmm. because even if it goes, even if it's repealed at the Supreme Court level, yeah. we're still pretty much okay in California. Yeah, there's a there's a comfortability where people don't really, and then people don't feel that sense of urgency here. And um, the other thing I've noticed with it is that women of an older generation, even older than me, like my mom's age and older, they're really livid. Like, they're really pissed, but not so much women younger than me. Um, They seem to be, you know, mildly aggravated in comparison. And I don't, it's interesting because you've got these generations of women who saw the change happen and they know what it was like before that, as they would say. And they have said to me many times, and, you know, they know the difference and it's not cool. And then the young women are kind of going, you know, my body, my choice, but they don't have that experience and that firsthand knowledge of like, as one woman put it, not being able to get a job or not being able to get a credit card or, you know, being afraid that her mom was going to ship her out of state if her boyfriend got her pregnant when she was young. So... Those are weird things for me to think about even, you know. Um, so, yeah. It's not a good time to be a woman right now. It's very confusing. Do you think that stems, again, from them not seeing that dark side of what happens when there is no abortion protection? I mean, I'm not sure. I would say part of it, yeah, because they don't... They just they've only ever grown up in this world. Yeah, they've always been told it's your right. You've, you know, and it has been. They've rightfully been comfortable up until now. And so, you know, personally, I was really shocked. I didn't think that we would ever be in this position of, of having to fight for this. Again. Again. Mm-hmm. Not just fight for it, fight for but it again. Again, Yeah. Yeah. That's what worries me about my generation and more so the kids a little bit younger than me. Mm-hmm. Is there's no real fundamental understanding of how we got these rights and what people mm. went through to get them. Right. And especially with censorship, that's a big one for me. Right. Obviously doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, again, my generation and the one below would be the generation to to really embrace censorship mm-hmm. and really say, no, we need this to protect people. This is the, for the betterment of society. Mm. We have to censor certain voices. And they don't understand how much of a problem that is. Yeah. And the fact that people died to, to get... To protect. To get that right. Yeah, yeah. And in other countries don't have that. Right. And you can just... That there's... In China, you just disappear. Right. You're just gone. Oh, dear. Yeah. You're just gone. Yeah. And we yeah. have it, and, and people die not, for it. There's other places in the world where oh, you know you you may be stoned in some places of the world. You may be um, just find yourself without a job in some places of the world, or it's not quite against the law, but it's frowned on, and you find yourself stepping a toe out of line, and then you find out the hard way that that's not appropriate. All for the noises that you make with your mouth. You could lose everything. It's shocking. It's shocking. Does that upset you as a reporter? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because, you know, sometimes people will want me, for example, to report on a subject um, and just, I, you know, 
it's not an editorial. I need somebody to give me the facts of the matter and I need to be able to reference it or at least quote a source and know what I'm talking about. It's not just me pulling it out of thin air. So um, I can't say something that someone else isn't willing to vouch for or say or explain to me or be the expert on or whatever, right? And so, yeah, um, it's frustrating sometimes because, you know, um, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here. Just freedom of speech. Yeah, freedom of speech is important. And um, you may not like what somebody has to say, but, um, you know, bordering on hate speech, they're, they're allowed to say what their opinion is, man, you know. I think it was the ALU. I'm going to run with this. Don't mm-hmm. quote me on this, okay. but I'm going to I'm going to say it anyways. Okay. I believe the, the ALU record. back in the back in the day fought for the right for a group of Nazis somewhere back east to protest. ACLU? ACLU. What did I say? ALU? Yeah. My acronyms are all over the place. That's okay. Thank I got you, you for catching me on that. Yeah. So the ACLU, yes, mm-hmm. and it was a huge case. Yeah. And they fought for their right to do it and I believe they went ahead and won and that group did yeah, it. Yeah, you know, off the top of my head, I think that's correct. I, I don't remember the time, date, place, or anything. Yeah. Don't, I but I believe don't, roughly this is accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. think anybody would do that today. I know. If a group of Nazis wanted to Ugh. open Nazis. We would have to, the ACLU would have to step up again. <laughs> I don't think they would. What made me say that was that the ACLU did something a while ago, like hmm. during covid that was against that. They were fighting for some oh. not to be able to speak. And that's, that's interesting. what made me think of that. I wonder what their reasoning was or I wonder what case that was. But that's, you know? I mean, that just shows how important it is. Mm-hmm. That <clears throat> yeah. you have to fight almost I mean, more <clears throat> for the opinions that you disagree with. Because as soon as those go away, mm-hmm. who decides that your opinion's okay? Well, there's that. And there's also the value in a conversation. You know, there's value to being able to have those hard conversations and get to the bottom of something. And if something's wrong, then we need to have that conversation and discuss it, you know, and we need to get hash it out and we will see what makes sense and what does not. But, you know, to just say, I don't like, I don't like what you're saying. I disagree with what you're saying. You're wrong. Um, without allowing that discussion to occur, I think is wrong. You know, you're yeah. depriving people of the educational experience or the ability to reason it out and to see the logic there. So, you know, snuffing it out and putting it in the dark, I think, is counterproductive to, um, you know, the alternative, which is, you know, you could just talk about it. You have to combat bad information with good information. Right. Mm -hmm. I think when you bury it underground and lock it away, that's when Mm -hmm. it turns into something really dark. Right. And I would say, you know, combat inaccurate information with accurate information. Right. Because there's no morality to information. It's just information. So it's just a matter of fact or not, you know, or if it's someone's opinion, it needs to be clearly stated that this is just someone's opinion, man. What is your stance on the censorship debate? Do you think it should Hmm. just be an open floodgate? Do you think it's okay in certain circumstances? Um, 
Because now with... No. I mean... Now with the shooting in New York, right? In Buffalo. Okay. I believe the Attorney General is investigating these platforms, which makes me think they're going to try to work in censorship in there somehow. Hmm. You know, I don't like censorship just in general. I I would start by saying that. Um, I, you know... I'm a real big fan of George Carlin. Wish he were back. Wish he were still here. Um, So, yeah, I feel like, um, you know, poor taste is one thing. Outward hatred, racism, vile um, discourse is one thing. You know, but I, I think... You can't tell someone not to say something just because it upsets you or, you know, um, if, if you, if you're pissing someone off with what you say, you may just be doing something effectively to begin to have a conversation or to further a conversation. Like it's not always comfortable to address things that are nuanced or difficult or controversial. So, um, You know, but then, you know, censorship for reasons of uh, if there's something gory on the TV or you don't want to upset someone, trigger someone and have them have a traumatic reaction to something that they're viewing. That, I think, is a different form of censorship. Right. So um, like when when war images are sanitized in the national news, you know, um, that's a different level of censorship that I also find problematic. I agree. I think that's a problem. You do? Yeah. I think it washes away a real part of what war is. Yeah. It sanitizes it. Right. In an uncomfortable way. Yeah. I don't think it's good to see those. Mm -hmm. They should put up a warning before they play them and say, hey, we're going to show some stuff. Yeah. Put the kids to bed. Mm -hmm. But you have to show that to the public because they need to see and understand. Mm Mm-hmm. These are our choices. And right. if it's a, if it's a good thing, then we have to suffer through that mm-hmm. and be there for those yeah. that are going through it. But war is is brutal. Yeah. And I think not showing that to the public makes them more calloused to it. I think that's part of the this Ukraine or situation. Or even ignorant to the situation. They don't understand yeah, the how reality would, how of it. How would they if they weren't being told or shown the reality of it? You know, so... I, I do find it really troubling that our national news isn't showing really the same depth or quality. Or maybe I'm not seeing the best stuff. That's possible. I do live in a news bubble. <laughs> but I try my best to look at different sources and all kinds of um, forms of news, right? Press conferences are like one of my favorite things because you're getting it just unscripted and uncut And that's what the news agencies then work from, generally speaking, right? Unless it's like an in-the-field news report, which is also amazing. But I also have enjoyed watching international news in comparison to U.S. news to see what their take is on things and kind of look at what they're showing viewers, you know? So, for instance, like German news or um, British news and even Ukrainian news (laughs) with their own stuff, um, very interesting to me to compare news, uh, production and news, you know, reels or what they're showing people. 
And you get to see the spin that's put on it by Mm -hmm. each of those countries, right? Yes. Fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, I believe they can't show coffins draped in the flag on the news. I know for sure that at one point in time they couldn't do that. I don't know if that's right. since been overturned. I think I've seen coffins. Maybe I maybe it's a different news agency. Maybe it's not a US based news agency. Well that if I've they were them, that you know? would be important to do as well. Yeah. You have to show mm-hmm. the the actual graphic images. Yep. And you have to show, hey, this is this, this is, is the, the cost. Yeah. This is the cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um and that that still that goes for the way I treat local news too. Like I, you know, it's up to my editor if they want to cut something that I put in there. If they find it, I'm stepping over a boundary. You know, please tell me. But I'm not really going to um, censor someone. I'm not gonna you know, blur out a photo unless it's super appropriate that I do so. And I already know that, like, just because it's uncomfortable for someone to look at doesn't mean it's inappropriate to publish is what I should say. And that's a really tricky thing to do and a fine line to walk. And I think, you know, I rely on an editor for that. (laughs) Does a lot of your stuff get edited in that regard? Almost everything gets edited to some level. And it can be from like, you know, sentence structure to um like you know content like ryan i need you to get more on this subject or what about the the quote from so and so we need to get a little balance here or um ryan can you expand on this this isn't making sense quite enough right and you know, I frequently write a novel when I'm supposed to be writing like a short thing. So it's hard for me to pare it down. And I get my my worst thing that I do is I can't decide what to cut. So I put it all in there. And and then <laughs> I've been told, you know, think shovel, not like backhoe. Like Good just advice. a little more, a little less, please. You know, I'm like, but How? You know, it's so good. There's so much. And so it's hard for me to to decide, you know, and I think I've gotten better at it, but it has been hard for me to decide what is most important to the reader or the viewer or the, the you know, the listener, as opposed to like what I think is the most important or most interesting thing. It's not necessarily the same. <laughs> so I try to bear that in mind. I think I'm getting better at that. Yeah. Probably a continuous learning curve for that. I huh? think so. Probably so. Just yeah. tweaking your craft. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find a lot of people willing to talk to you when you're out on the streets mm-hmm. just recording? Yeah. I've been really lucky with that. Um, I try to blend. You know, I try to be approachable. And, and Are you I, out there with an actual camera? Or? No. Okay. No, I just got my silly... Um, my very silly smartphone that I love. Oh, that probably helps. Yes. So I'm not intimidating, I don't think, most of the time. You know, I try not to be. So, um, yeah, I have a lot of fun with it, too. And I'm genuinely there because I want to be. And maybe that comes across. I think that kind of helps, you know. But, yeah, I do have fun talking to people. And I genuinely want to know why they're here, what they're doing, or what they think. So, um I, I want to know. And uh, that helps just to, to have the boldness to approach somebody and ask them, 
so what are you doing? You know, and sometimes I, not always do they like it, but sometimes when I'm live and I'm already live, it's a little tricky to be, you know, you already have the camera rolling. And so it's hard to put someone on the spot without putting them on the spot, vice versa. So yeah, they're not always willing to talk on camera, even though they're already on camera and they've been on camera, but, <laughs> but it's fun. I really do enjoy, um, kind of just doing a, a quick little question, see what people are thinking in the moment. That's fun for me. Are you ever surprised by what people are willing to say? Oh yeah. All the time, all the time. I mean, and frequently they'll say something and they'll go oh no 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 don't don't use that you know I'm like oh man (laughs) damn like that would have been good are you sure are you sure so they don't you know but yeah most of the time um I've already asked you know hey you want to say that on camera or how would you feel about talking about that so they know what they're getting into so they don't say some really wild shit. Nothing too Give them a little wild. Heads up. Yeah. Yeah. There's been some unexpected things, you know. Like one time a guy at a protest, he was just drunk at a protest. I And I say that because he later got arrested and they found an alcohol bottle in his I, car. I think I saw that video. Saw that. But he went for my bag and and... And I had been filming him because he was, like, basically harassing this old lady who was wearing or, you know, holding a sign and protesting well within her rights. And so um, and I just went over there to just sort of be a fly on the wall and observe the situation. And he went for my bag and, like, my little media bag. And as soon as he touched the bag, the officers were just on him and totally arrested him. So I had a little fun with that. I, w- I will admit I had a little fun with that. I feel bad for the guy because, you know, he probably shouldn't. He obviously shouldn't have been there. But, man, bad choices. Bad choices. Yeah, not <laughs> ideal. It was a lady with a picture of a coat hanger, right, mm-hmm. on her yeah, sign. it was. And he was kind of... Oh, he said some vile things about the coat hanger, too. Did you catch that in I the didn't. video? I didn't. So she was, she had the sign that had a coat hanger on it and it said never going back or never again or something. Right. And, um, and it was a Roe versus Wade protest. It was before, it was an older protest, maybe a a few months ago before the draft decision got leaked out. Um, so, you know, Roe versus Wade was already in the radar, you know, politically protesting to support that. And I think it was a Planned Parenthood protest. So so this is a woman who's already been through the Roe versus Wade protests, like since, you know, she could protest. And in any case, this guy was fixated on her signage and he just could not believe that there was a hanger on the sign. And that's what he kept saying to the police officers. And he was attempting to have this debate with them, as far as I could tell, about the sign and how absurd it was that she had a hanger on the sign. And he said something like, it's been like 50 years since there was ever a, you know, a hanger in a vagina, I swear, something like that. And, And I was just like, the hell did he just say and I'm filming just thinking this is 
this is amusing. What what next? You know, what are they going to do with this guy? And there, so there's, I think, two male cops, maybe three male cops and a, and a female cop. And, um, and she just was like, what I'm going to tell you is that they have their right to protest. Like, and she was just like. Not having it. She was not amused, you know. <laughs> but yeah, and he said it a couple times and then, um, and then went to his car and then it, the whole interaction happened where he tried to grab my bag and they arrested him. And then the the best part about that video is the timing of, like, there's a baritone, a tuba or something in the background. And just as I pan over to see the police officer open the vehicle, the door of the vehicle the guy was driving, um, you can hear, like, a womp, womp, womp in the background of, like, the tuba or something as he pulls out this little totally empty, like, flask or this little... um, just a small bottle it was like a fifth or something it was it was terrible yeah just like open the car door and he it just up, had and it. like yep yeah right here i mean right by the driver's side door yeah and the window was down so it might have been in plain view I yeah i was trying know. to figure out if that was his car because he kept walking by it yeah and then would look at the girl's sign and then go back Stand to the, the officer car. it was my understanding that that was his car I didn't see him pull up in it. I, I just, I heard them tell him several times to get in and drive away. Which is surprising because oh watching that, yeah. clearly under the influence of something. I'm thinking, I can't believe they're telling him to drive away. From the beginning. I know. Just seeing him that walk was why his I mannerism. Kept, really, I kept thinking, I can't believe he's going to drive away. So I was filming because I expected him to try and them to arrest him. Or him hit a car pulling out right there. Right. This is right in front of the courthouse. Busy. It was like rush hour right in front of the courthouse. Tons of traffic. At least three or four cop cars right there. <laughs> Clearly intoxicated. Clearly intoxicated. He was stumbling. He was slurring. It was, it was really something to behold. Yeah. And then them telling him to drive away. Go ahead. Drive away. And I just thought, oh... Wow. They might have been waiting waiting for him. I'm sure they were. I'm thinking just for him I'm to sure get in the car. I'm sure that was a little tempting trap. Probably hit yeah. him with a bigger charge. Because then it's drunk driving instead of just totally. drunk in public. Yeah, maybe public intoxication yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they never asked me for a statement on oh, they had grabbing him. the... Yeah, mm-hmm. as soon as he reached... I didn't even know if he grabbed anything. He it did. Just, he reached yeah. and then they were... They were right there. Right on him, yeah. Because I, I, I was looking down to try to, like, swing. Keep it from yeah, him. Yeah, to keep it from him. And when I picked up my head, they were all on him. So I just thought, okay. <laughs> you never know. You never know. So that was a first, though. I've never had anybody actually physically try to touch my stuff, which isn't a lot of stuff. I don't have, like, a huge tripod or anything. So it's pretty... And purposely, so I can like be on the go and just sort of sneak into somewhere without being, I, I don't want to call a lot of attention, pop up a live stream all of a sudden. And yeah, blend in. <laughs> totally blend in, yeah. Have yeah. you ever had it get a little dicey? Where like what? You're thinking, okay, I, I need to get out of here because this is going to go sideways. Oh, yeah. A couple times, the George Floyd protest in Eureka were, I don't know if you were here, they were taking over the streets, kind of walking the full width of the road, Highway 101, against the flow of traffic and just circling the blocks, um, hundreds of protesters. So 
you know, from time to time, law enforcement would like gather on a block and you know, full riot gear and have their like every toy they have available, ready to go, short of the bear cat, you know. <laughs> That may be a little bit much on the description, <laughs> but they were really like not messing around with these George Floyd protests. And I think it was a three day thing. Um, but and there there were eventually pepper balls, you know, dispersed and stuff like that, which I I purposely took myself home. I was like, OK, calling it a day. It's about to get crazy. I am not going to that part. So. Yeah, but there were times where, you know, law enforcement's kind of moving the line forward or trying to move a car through a crowd, and I'm right there. That was one moment during the George Floyd protests where somebody broke a window out of, uh, on the back of a vehicle, and I was right there. And so it was just, it's just real chaotic, you know. So you're trying to respect the boundaries of law enforcement. You're also just trying to get the shot and get in the midst of it and see what's going on, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Was that the incident where a car hit people in the protest? Um, that, that I think that was the same day. Okay. And that just... vehicle did actually, as it moved forward, because it did get kind of um, attacked from the back. I don't know if it was a rock or something cracked or broke the back of the car, the windshield. But then... Um, it did mo it did run over a girl's foot or ankle or moved her out of the way in some way i can't quite remember it's all kind of blending together at this point but yeah she and right in front of the courthouse kind of in that intersection right there so um and i don't think it was serious like i don't she didn't go to the hospital there wasn't a big scene or anything but i do remember her going oh my god you know yeah, I wasn't I wasn't there, but I heard it. Yeah. Those protests got there's some fun pretty, videos. Pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um what else? There's you know, there's usually times where there's like a police line and they don't want you to get in get in the way. There's a couple there was one time where an attorney had um he decided that Rather than giving giving up his client or his, the location of his client, um, <clears throat> he had directed the client to bring to his office an explosive device um, because he was going to, you got to call, you got to turn it in. So wherever it is, is going to be evacuated, right? So he had this thing at his office the sheriff's department had to Eureka police department had to come rather and um, evacuate the building, block it up, block off the whole building to try to evacuate this potentially explosive device, which I don't think turned out to be a threat. Come to think of it. But that was one time also where they were very sensitive about their, <laughs> the boundaries. Understandably. He had his client bring it to his office intentionally. That's my understanding, because otherwise you got to call it in and they're going to be, you know, it's no longer confidential who the client is. or I, I don't know. That was my understanding. That is so it was, crazy. It was a way of sort of guarding your client. that person. Yeah. Listen, if your client's building bombs. No, that's... it wasn't theirs. I have to clarify. They, they somehow circumstantially found themselves in possession of of a few things and one of them was this thing and they were like not mine please help me you know so 
it was it was sort of a, a totally weird random situation that that person should not be responsible for, which is part of why he probably didn't want them to be involved in it because it wasn't theirs, you know? Okay, that's that's different. Yeah. I yeah. was imagining some guy in his garage nope. building a bomb. I mean, at some point maybe, but not, yeah. Yeah, that's a little <laughs> different. Yeah, I wonder. I'm like, where the hell did that thing come from? Yeah, did he just walk down the street? No fucking found idea. Found a grenade somewhere? What? That's crazy. I no did not idea. hear about that. Was that a while ago? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a little intense. It's random. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes there's, like, a shooter that's on, you know, like, there was the guy, um, um, I'm not remembering his name, but there was a murder that took place, a homicide that took place up in Neyland, and the person, the suspect, stole the victim's van and proceeded to go towards Arcata, ditch the van outside the community forest, and disappear into the forest. Only several days later to be found trying to hijack a boat out of Santa Cruz Harbor and get arrested. So that was another one where, um, you know, I show up to try to figure out where, where's, where's this van? Is there a murderer on the loose? What just happened? And at the time, it wasn't confirmed what, what just happened. It was an investigation with a potential homicide and victim, right? And... um so I was the only one there and I showed up and I live streamed a couple sections of this, you know, the van being ditched outside of the forest. And there's like a bunch of law enforcement cars. There's one or two law enforcement officers to be seen. Everyone's else in the forest hunting for this guy. And all they do is say um, they issue a little alert to um, surrounding neighborhood areas saying, don't pick up hitchhikers. Everything's okay. Don't worry. And then a few days later, oh, we found that, yep, it's a homicide. We got him. He's he's in Santa Cruz. And I'm just thinking, how the hell did he get out? So you can see there's this video of him in a police chase. Like, they're right behind him. Next thing you know, he's lost in the forest. Next, next thing you know, he's in Santa Cruz trying to steal a boat. And I'm just like, how... How does this happen? You know, and so that's the, you know, there's a perimeter around the forest. They got it all blocked off. It's just weird. You never know what it's going to be. And there's apparently, a, you know, a murderer on the loose, very loose. You know, they were like, yeah, just stay. We want people to stay out of the forest. It's not a good time to go hiking. And you were down there filming right after he ditched the van. Jesus. I, I know. And I'm like, guess i'm not worried nobody seems worried you know (laughs) next thing i know i turn and there's a guy like a chp officer shows up with a long gun i would describe it some kind of special rifle i'm not a gun expert you know kind of fast walking into the forest so you know i'm thinking maybe i should be worried (laughs) this doesn't seem like everything's fine sound good you know so yeah. That is so crazy. Little heads up would have been nice. Little heads up. You know, I'm thinking, I do I need a vest? Like yeah. <laughs> When they start bringing out the big guns. Yeah. Okay, what what's it, happening again? <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure about this. But some excitement, you know, I need some adrenaline. 
I guess. Yeah. That's, that's a good dose of adrenaline. Yeah, sometimes I feel like a glutton for punishment. Like, what is wrong with me? Who does this? It's fun, though. It's kind of fun. So, in an instance like that where it's kind of breaking news, how did you get that tip? Did you... Oh, that's the that's one of the exciting things. So, um, and I don't know how much of the magic I should reveal of this, but Kim Kemp at the Red-Headed Black Belt, um, you know, is usually monitoring scanner traffic okay that's what Somebody i was wondering usually is yeah and there's a small team small but mighty team of people at the red-headed black belt that are doing that and um and so i'll get a i'll get a communication hey are you available um and in this instance kim called me and i was stuck in a drive through coffee line getting a coffee and I got all excited because I'm I used to live up in Neyland, so I'm familiar generally with, you know, so I was like, okay, I can go up this way or I could go up this way. What's the fastest way to get there? And halfway up Neyland Road, up to Greenwood Heights Road, I thought, oh no, we're I'm not getting there. I don't see it. Um the crime scene is different than the van. We're gonna go find the van. So I gave up on trying to find the crime scene, hightailed it after the van. It was just kind of exciting. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> That's crazy. Who does this? Yeah, right? <laughs> it sounds exciting. I mean, again, definitely a dose of adrenaline. Yeah. Especially in that instance where you're kind of racing And it's to all get sad, there. too. Super sad. In what way? Well, because I'm aware that, you know, at the time, not really being a liberty to say what had happened... But we're generally aware that probably a woman just got killed and there's a psycho or a murderer. Somebody has done this or there's at the at worst case scenario, best case scenario, um, you know, a very violent interaction happened and somebody just lost their life. So, you know, you, you got to go into it with a little sensitivity, too. So I try not to be overly excited about some kind of drama, whether it be you know, breaking news or an accident. What kind of breaking news is just could be anything. So it could be a car accident. People are usually injured. They've just lost their vehicle. It's all traumatic. There could be, you know, very serious losses associated with any kind of incident. So, yeah, there's always a little bit of gravity to every situation. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. You're kind of in line with first responders in that regard where you, you right. get to see a lot of the dark underbelly of right what happens yeah and you know i've been separated from the immediate first responder stuff a lot so like there's um other reporters that really do get that in-depth firsthand sort of in the thick of it experience i have really only been on the outskirts of those kind of things mostly um is that intentional? I would go into it. I think that I just haven't gotten the green light or found a way to get into that into that scene directly enough, you know. And frankly, I'm I'm not acquainted directly with all of the first responders and a lot of reporters are that do breaking news stuff. So um like for instance, Mark McKenna is is one guy locally that works with the redheaded black belt in the North coast journal. So you'll see his photos of really up close, um, images of first responders doing what they do and also accidents and at the scene stuff, you know? 
So I interact with them just sort of if like on a car accident, I'll show up, take some photos, but I'm really cautious. I don't really want to get near it. You know, <laughs> there's been a couple of times that I've been like, well, I think I'm too close. I'm going to back up, you know? So yeah, just try to be sensitive to the situation, I think. Yeah. So how does that work? If you're tight with the paramedics, they mm-hmm. shoot you a text and say, hey, oh, I have we're just no driving idea. out this way. I'll bet you it's the same thing as that I get. He probably has um, somebody Some go watching scanners dispatch. popping off or, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think that some people do have a closer connection to to not just first responders, but probably to law enforcement. You get a little maybe a heads up. Oh, this is happening. I'm not that person. <laughs> How does that work in terms of legality? Hmm. If you're kind of the first on the scene, can you just start taking photographs? I mean, it have just... Have to avoid faces? Yeah, I think work? it just depends on where you're at, too, because you, you want to be sensitive to who you're dealing with. And, if like, if there's a kid in an accident, I don't want to take a picture of somebody's child injured, you know. So... Um, like if that were the situation, I would probably just focus on whatever material object were were there. Like if there's a banged up stroller, I might just take a picture of that rather than the child, you know, or um, yeah, just um, and if somebody says, hey, I don't want to be photographed, then I would respect that, of course, you know. Is that up to the ethical code of each individual reporter at the scene? I think mostly. I mean, if you're in public, you're in public. Right. I, I guess that's kind of my stance on it. Like, sorry, if you're at a public protest and you're, for instance, holding a sign that says something provocative, I, I don't feel bad about taking the photo. Even, you know, you, they can cry about it, but they're out there to be seen and they're, they're holding this sign. So that's one of my favorite things is to really if you if people want to say their piece, I will let them, you know. And it's not because I agree, it's because I want them to just put it out and let's hear what they have to say, you know, kind of, I double dog dare you to say what you're thinking. Like, here's a microphone and a camera. <laughs> it's weird how many people will say what they're thinking if they can be anonymous. Yeah. But once their face is attached to it, it gets a little dicey. Yeah. I mean, I get, you know, there's people who love it, people really who, who want to be seen and heard and um you know some sometimes you might have to check you know verify a couple things right you don't want to just give them a free reign i i don't i particularly don't want to just be a vehicle for someone's agenda you know so yeah (laughs) do you push back on that in terms of questioning or how Um, they respond yeah if i'm quick enough on my toes i will you know if it's if it's really sensitive and politically controversial i may just kind of if i'm not if i don't push back on it immediately i may just take it back and go well well i don't need to work with that like this isn't something that's valuable don't need to incorporate that it's not of no no good no use so yeah, but I do also like to just sort of do the fly on the wall videos where eh, people are saying whatever they will say and there it is, you know. I'm not going to editorialize on it or make any comment, but 
Ta-da! Yeah, kind of like the um, like the district attorney video. I was just, well, that happened. <laughs> you know, so I, I enjoy doing that. Kind of a recap. Yeah. I've been working through that in regards to doing this. Mm-hmm. Just in the sense that you don't want someone to come on and just lay out their right. their whole agenda. Yeah. And pushing back on that. Mm-hmm. And not, not necessarily because I agree with it or disagree with it, mm-hmm. but just for the sake of, okay, back that up. If somebody comes on with a claim and say, and yeah. there's no proof in right. your general vicinity, they didn't bring anything in, they don't know right. anything to really back it up, and they just right. make a claim. It's, okay, well, what does that actually look like? Because you could very yeah. easily just let them say that and then continue on with the conversation. Right. And no, then you're... It's good, though, to push back a little bit. Absolutely. And and even though it may not be a pushback, it's totally always fair to say, oh, okay, what makes you think that? Or can you help me understand how how you have that understanding? Or how can you help me understand why that works that way? Or, you know... Can you give me a reference for that? <laughs> That's one of my favorites. Just like, give me the reference. Where is that? So that's, you know, it's totally fair. And it's valid. And if people are going to, um, you know, have an agenda or say, make a claim or have an opinion, it's fun to know why they do or how where they get it. Even if you agree with them, mm-hmm. and almost more so if you agree with them. Oh, yeah. Because then you get to see their line of thinking on that. And mm-hmm. if there's any holes, mm-hmm. you're going to you're gonna see that in their right. argument of it. Mm-hmm. And that's been a cool limelight. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. Because everybody doesn't come upon their knowledge in the same way. Yeah. Do you ever have people that do an interview or say something, then reach out to you and say, I, can, you, can we pull that? Can that? Absolutely. How do you handle that? Absolutely. Oh my god, I. <laughs> it's like one of my most pet peeves. I, You've you been know? waiting for that question. <laughs> I'm just okay. Now we're getting to the good stuff. <laughs> well, okay. You know, it sometimes feels feels like um, like a waste of time and energy, right? Because. You know, you spend time digging into a subject, you talk to somebody about it. I may have done research. I may have even interviewed someone else to corroborate something or or build on a topic or whatever. Multiple people even. It's like the thing snowballs, right? And so in working on it, um, and especially something that involves, you know, an interview with someone else is because it's based on whatever their experience was or their knowledge or whatever, um, their input. So yeah, when someone, you know, retracts or is like, oh, change my mind. Oops, sorry, cold feet, right? It's like, okay. So I appreciate them being bold enough to talk to me about it. That's the number one most like valuable, important thing is that, um, that people can trust me with their story or feel, you know, comfortable talking to me about it or telling me their, their feelings, not just the facts of the matter. Right. So, um, it is always disappointing and just the frustration comes out of not being able to, to see the final product, like the final outcome. Right. 
because I really like, this is going to sound dorky maybe, but I like the artistry of sort of sculpting an article or a piece or even doing a little video or whatever. I really like putting all that time and energy into it. So it is sort of heartbreaking to not be able to like come up with the final the final version or the final piece or publish it for to go ta-da, you know? And um, I distinctly feel like sometimes it doesn't go anywhere. Like a lot of things I put the most effort and work into, I feel like, well, nobody read that, you know? Like sometimes I, I don't know if that's true, but it feels like that. So that's not what it's about. It's really about that final product and being able to like feel like I accomplished uh, reflecting someone's story accurately, right? So it's kind of a double-edged sword. So if they don't want their story to be reflected in the public, you know, if they don't want it out there, oh, damn, you know, so what can I do about it? It's up to me to respect that, you know? So, um, yeah, that, I guess the, <laughs> my reaction is because this has happened a lot lately too, where people will have something that they really want to talk about desperately and they will talk about it, right? But I'm not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> so that is frustrating. And then, you know, maybe they get comfortable later and say it on their Facebook page and, and then it's out, but it's not in an article that anybody cares about or reads. And so the issue hasn't necessarily been publicly addressed, but they got it off their chest, you know? So that's like the the part two of it that's ultimately more frustrating. So have you dealt with that though? Oh yeah. I yeah. I am now and we could talk about that. <laughs> Do you ever just say fuck it and put it out anyway? Or if somebody says, Hey, I don't feel comfortable, you you pull it. I pull it. Um you know Do you have the power to pull it? Or is the power in their hands? Oh, can... you know, I don't even, yeah, that actually, I don't even know if that has happened because I never, um, if I have something super sensitive, right, I really go to great lengths, I think, to make sure that the person is comfortable. I'm like, look, I'm quoting you like this. This is what I'm using as a quote. Are you comfortable with this? Right. And nine times out of 10, it's like, okay, yes, go. Right. And nine times out of ten, it I I give it to the editor and it flies through just fine. And um, I think the only time I had um, an editor pull something was when I did radio stuff at KMUD. Um, it might not be completely because it would be in the SoundCloud in the archives, so I'm so I'm not sure, but. I know that at least a section of it was like redacted or taken out or something, or maybe they pulled it down completely. Um, but it was regarding an interview that I did about a women's March several years ago that was like a big political kerfuffle. And it was like, we're going to cancel the women's March. No, we're not. It's going forward. And there was this whole big thing. So, um, yeah, one of my editors at KMUD got a complaint from the woman that I interviewed saying, I didn't know I was being interviewed, which was ridiculous. She definitely knew. But so in any case, um, you know, the editor, rather than kind of dealing with that, that person in the controversy, just decided, okay, forget it. We're pulling it, right? Or we're clipping out that section or whatever it was to fix the problem. So I think that's the only time I remember something being actually unpublished so to speak or retracted 
that I can recall. Yeah. But normally if somebody, you know, before it makes it to my editor or the publishing site, whoever it is, um, I'll be really sure, you know, and yeah, I've never had anybody pull it after the fact, but, um, I definitely had people say, okay, never mind, I'm just not ready, you know, or, oh, I'm waiting for one more thing. And then that one thing never comes, you know, or so that happens all the time. Have you ever considered just releasing it either because the story warranted Mm -hmm. an audience and it needed it's something right that's not the right way to phrase that it's something that needs to be heard to like time sensitive no maybe just a part of a greater conversation Mm. and that voice or that particular sentiment needs Mm -hmm. to be expressed Mm -hmm. that's kind of vague um i think i get what you mean um like just for like a urgency of the situation well in saying that i'm thinking of a situation, say you interviewed a killer, right? Mm-hmm. And you got, I don't know, something, just something there. You interview mm-hmm. him, then you don't put it out because he's like, I, I this is going to make the public judge me in some weird right. way. I try not to pull punches. I mean, I don't know if... I guess that's that's how I'm trying to phrase yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, if somebody, you know, if somebody... Um, trying to think i don't really think i've ever had a problem um you know i've had a situation where i've did this whole interview with somebody and at the end they were like okay let me see that article when you're done or okay i'd like to you know review that when you're ready with the draft and i'm kind of like that's not how that works you don't get to write my draft like sorry so (laughs) i you know um yeah, there's been a couple times that I just dropped it like a hot potato and moved on. Like, forget it. I'm not doing that article anymore. Or, you know, sometimes I just don't have time is the real reason. And it's kind of a headache. So I'm like, well, I don't, you know, I just don't have time for that. So never mind. Um, yeah. Um, I haven't really had anybody kind of, you know, want to edit after the fact or... Or tell me, you know, this is too sensitive. I mean, right now I do have some cards I'm holding back because trying to trying to verify a couple things before I go wild with this article, you know. That happens almost constantly where I'm fighting to be able to verify information, you know, to my own satisfaction kind of thing. So I guess I'm probably my worst enemy in that regard that, like, maybe I'm holding it back because I'm not comfortable enough verifying everything. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because like I have somebody, for instance, that I'm, I'm saying, OK, I'm ready to interview your source when your source is ready, you know, and they're like, no, my source is anonymous. The source may never be interviewed. And I'm and I'm kind of trying to finesse that situation a little more. But that may be one of those where the person is never going to be comfortable saying what they need to say. Yeah, it's hard. So I I have not found an elegant way to deal with that. I'll just say that. When somebody comes forward and tries to critique it before you publish, Mm -hmm. do you always drop that interview? No, no. I most frequently try to work with them and say, okay, what is it you're worried about? Here's, Here's my assurances. Like, here's how this works. Like, whatever I can do to sort of get them comfortable with with you know, 
talking to me more is is usually my best attempt, you know, or I'll say, okay, if there's something off the record, tell me what that is. And I will not say it, you know, um, they'll say, oh, the whole thing about that. And I'll go, okay, well, specifically this or specifically that or whatever. So if we talk about this, it kind of, I need to go here. Right. And they'll say, okay, never mind. Say everything or okay, never mind. I take it all back. Don't talk about it at all. So I end up sort of tailoring it to either um, what's factual and public. Like sometimes it's already public knowledge and it's known. And I'll say, so there's no reason that I can't reiterate this or this is a fact. I'm going to say this, you know. Um, but yeah, I try to give people the respect of sort of representing their truth accurately, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but never let them critique hmm. it for you. I mean, sometimes they can critique it, and I'll like sometimes it's just a. Well, you like um, send them a rough draft, and then oh no, they, okay, no, no, no. Sometimes I'll copy paste a section with like a huge quote from them, and I'll say, okay, is this a fair representation of your statement, right? And they'll say, oh, okay, but what about that part? And I'll say, well, explain that to me. Why, why do you, why is that different? Or, or how, you know, what did I get wrong exactly? Right. So I'll just make sure that I'm accurately quoting them. Yeah. Yeah. This ties into our, our little, that paper agreement I had you uh -huh. sign. Cause yeah. I know you wanted to talk about that as well. Yeah. I, and I should preface this by saying, <laughs> I'm a little hesitant to talk about it. I think it will be important to do so mm -hmm. because I think the people listening to the show have a right to know. Okay. And you're the perfect person to talk to about this because you're in the reporting field. Okay. Not to put you on the spot or anything. <laughs> I'm not searching for advice. I'm kind of just laying out my current situation. Yeah. yeah. I had a guest on. Uh-huh. We had a great conversation. Uh-huh. It was a conversation that touched on the topic of race which gets pretty it's not, touchy it's touchy yeah and there's a lot of emotion there mm -hmm. and there are a lot of pieces to that story when mm -hmm. you go to race yeah and she kind of reached back out and wanted to review it before i published okay and my approach was i i can't i can't do reviews because then i'm going to be right. i'm going to be doing constant reviews Mm -hmm. I won't. I tried to reassure it. I'm not going to edit anything. I yeah. release it exactly how we record yeah. it. So I think I'm in kind of a morality conundrum okay. in regard to that because mm -hmm. I think what we talked about, I think is important mm -hmm. and it's important in the context of where we are in the world. Okay. I think it was a powerful conversation. I mm -hmm. don't think it was negative at all mm -hmm. i think it was i really enjoyed it she was amazing we had a great talk mm -hmm. i think she's has some concerns mm -hmm. and i'm again i'm talking about this now <laughs> yeah. because i have to today's the 20th i believe 21st 21st yeah and i have to like it's either going to be out or not out on Monday, so right. by the time this you one have a gets out, deadline. yeah. By the time this one's out, mm -hmm. it'll already be resolved one way or another. Right. 
And so I don't know. I'm. It was interesting hearing you talk about all that because I've been racking my brain for the past few days to figure out how I want to go about this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I live in that sort of delicate spot. Yeah, it's like you want to... You always want to accurately represent someone, um, you know, and and it's humbling and, you know, people in our position to hear someone else's truth. It's always, um, you know, it's a humbling thing. And so we should be grateful and it's we should feel honored, I think, sometimes um, all the time to to be welcomed into that zone. Right. So um, having said that you know um it's your podcast and and truth is truth and reality is reality and your your perspective is different than anyone else's perspective cuz you're an individual so you you know running this podcast um it's going to reflect who you are a little bit and that's part of the fun of it, bouncing off whoever your guest is and kind of what kind of nuance and, and what kind of depth there is in that conversation, you know, bringing, bringing what you have to the table and seeing what they have to bring to the table. So, you know, in the context of like social justice matters, race comes up a lot at least I find it does, and, um, you know, ethnicity and, and people's backgrounds and just their cultural level of awareness is so different, just completely a huge spectrum of, you know, trying to meet people where they're at in that regard. Um, it's it's not always easy to be relatable as as an interviewer, right, and still be, um, I don't want to say critical, but to still have sort of a skeptical mind on and to be able to sort of further a conversation in a tactful but yet and challenging way, it's, it's really tricky. Sort of, it is an art form, right? Like it's kind of hard to do that um, and being able to do that with any amount of like humor and grace and you know managing not to shoot oneself in the foot or put your foot in your mouth or whatever which happens a lot a lot you know so (laughs) you know humility goes a long way with that and it's hard though because um it's it's sensitive and people people that live with racism every day you know, they have a much different reality and it's to be respected and, and to try to understand that is hard for people who are privileged, you know, going through our daily lives as, you know, white people, basically. We, we aren't challenged by the nuances of racism. Sometimes I'm speaking from my own perspective. Um, but, but to see it is sometimes... Um, a very enlightening and educational experience, right? So to have an open mind and to talk with somebody and make space for their experience, but still be able to like conduct a conversation um, with offering up your own perspective, it's just a really hard balance, you know? So um, God, there's like any number of classes on ethics. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is why, because it's like there's not a great answer. Yeah, you could debate it from from every angle, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think my biggest thing, and it's it's been a learning curve for sure, mm-hmm. is just with this podcast and wherever it goes, even if it stays here. Mm-hmm. I want there to be a level of integrity and yeah. that surrounds censorship. That surrounds the fact that I'm definitely going to put my foot in my mouth mm-hmm. a ton yeah. and I'm going to say things and then immediately think, oh, I, I don't even agree with that as I'm saying that. Like, and right. I'll catch myself sometimes. Sometimes it's in post and it sucks because then the mic's gone and right. that episode is there now, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I worry that... If I follow the precedent in this and mm-hmm. pull that episode, it's censoring to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And more so than that, I'm now I'm now crafting an image that people who listen to this podcast and mm-hmm. hopefully enjoy it mm-hmm. are now getting. Yeah. I'm manufacturing an image, which is something I don't want to do. And I've made mistakes in the past. Mm-hmm. And... Human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I I don't want to do that. And I think this right. would set a slippery slippery standard. And I'm taking steps to resolve that. I now have right. my little piece of paper. Yeah. That was all started. I did it's that initially. very fun and professional. Yeah. It's next it adds level. a nice flair. And then you see the bar and you're like, okay, this is <laughs> not so professional. Um, I actually started with a little agreement, mm-hmm. a waiver. Yeah. And then I stopped because I was like, you know, everyone's pretty casual. Yeah, I hadn't had no any. No problem. I hadn't had it, you don't any hesitation. You need it. That's the, the lawyer in me. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. I think. I think I would definitely be burning a bridge mm-hmm. in releasing it. I could see that. Really? Yeah. Which for me as a person is hard because I want everybody to like me. And yeah. I've been, I work on that, you know? Well. But hmm. at the same time, I mean, I don't want to compromise what this is. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's so ambiguous because I can't exactly say what it, what the factor in that was sure. until, unfortunately, it actually yeah. is out. Mm-hmm. But it's just tricky. Yeah. It's tricky because this, this is a special, it is. special thing to me mm-hmm. and putting your yeah. voice out there and i've had guests on before that have successfully just bullshitted me oh and i released that and then after the fact people say hey that's not true so i've been very right. aware of the need to yeah just not saying that's what's going on in this instance by any means right but sure i don't want to manufacture what this is totally and I think there's some understanding that when you come on one of the steps i'm taking is from here on out this mm-hmm. is the last one that won't be live Mm. So then it almost takes it out of my hand. I'm yeah. going to tell the person, hey, we're going to go live. I almost asked, where's the live? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. actually, that's an even better idea. I'm going to get a light too and hang it from the ceiling that says, going live. And I'm going to flick it on and say, okay, we're going ding, live. Ding, ding. Yeah. No, no um, ambiguous thing there. Yeah. Because then that, know. Takes, that almost takes the problem out of my hands. Well, it was already out there. It's live. So then if somebody yeah. comes on and says some wild shit, yeah. I, it's already in the ether. That's you know? true. And, you know, I personally, I, I like the, the, I call it the fly on the wall effect, right? But that's what it is. You never know what's going to happen live. And um, so there's maybe a mixed blessing because then people know 
that they instantly feel on the spot, right? So maybe they'll clam up a little more, or maybe if they're a certain personality type, maybe they'll let it go a little more if they're, they know they're live for some reason, right? Like, it's really interesting to watch people have a different reaction on, you know, um, a planned video camera, you know, we're recording in three, two, one versus we're already live. What do you have to say? You know, it's just, you never know how people are going to react to that. But I, I totally see your point that if you're all, if you're live, it's out there, it's It's out out of of your hands, hands. totally out of of your hands. Yeah. And if this had been a conversation, there's very different, I, I try to be a very honest guy mm-hmm. and just like, that's a core foundation for me is I'm, I'm not going to bullshit you. I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, I can't control what you do, but I can control what I do. Right. And so that's why I think this is hard. Cause this is a very ethically ambiguous situation. I right. think, or at least it, morally it is for me Okay. trying to figure out what I want to do with this. Cause yeah. it's going to change the podcast one way or another. Like there's these forks in the road. That so you you're hit. looking at either, scrapping the whole episode yeah because i wouldn't i couldn't just release it in chunks because then it sets the standard oh if he chunked this one has he right previous so are you editing out select parts then you're not trustworthy once you lose the trust yeah it's everything is gone right right you know i can see that like i i sometimes battle with that myself like recently i did an interview with um just a short, we probably talked on camera for, you know, not quite 20 minutes, maybe right around 20 minutes, but Stephen Stewart, um, he's running for judge. So, um, I clipped up this interview into several little pieces, each question, you know, and I thought I always battle with this and I, and I, I've decided to ignore this little nagging voice in the back of my head because I think there is value in, in basically editing it's not being cherry picking right it's really just here's the question i asked here's his answer we don't need me sneezing in the background or dropping my ipad or um the waiter walking by and asking us if we need more water or what which didn't really happen but just as an example like little distractions are just that they're just little distractions so clipping them up and making segments is is providing valuable little snippets of the interview and you know it can be called cherry picking but it's it is picking the cherries because they're ripe and they're good so like you know um it's not the same as going oh well that was awkward i don't think that'll help his campaign i'm gonna not say that right so there's a couple of moments where i ask a pointed question and there's a there's an answer that can maybe raise an eyebrow, right? But I'm not gonna clip it. Uh, he that's a fair answer, and you know sometimes in an interview, someone I'm talking to is uncomfortable answering a question, but just because they're uncomfortable providing whatever the answer is doesn't mean that um, that that should be snipped. So um, yeah, I let it ride. You know, and I may cut it out and make it a separate clip. Um, but yeah, I think there's value in just using your sort of editorial discretion on that, you know, 
and it's always a fine a fine balance between you know but i always do like having a full thing on there too and usually when i do that i'll say raw or full video or unedited or something so people know what they're getting into <laughs> and you know i think there's value in that because people then know oh all she took out were these little segments where there was an actual question and answer or oh we we we're missing this whole part where um, this weird person came up and said hi out of nowhere in the live stream and it made no sense and it doesn't matter. So, you know, um, I don't know if that applies to your podcast because you seem to have a really streamlined conversation. That's kind of the problem. I mean, yeah. it's great. That's the best aspect of the podcast. That uh -huh. would be the problem cutting portions out is right. you could make something somebody says – have a very different meaning if you start cutting mm -hmm. out portions. Yeah, look at, you got to keep it in context. At, especially with the flow of this conversation, we've mm -hmm. merged from one topic to another and come back. And right. so if I remove that comeback or the portion in the middle where mm -hmm. we still touch on it a little bit, then you miss out on that and it changes the whole frame. Absolutely. Which is, then it's yeah. it's all lost. Yeah, so that's another thing to be careful of. You want to make sure that you, that you're giving your audience an accurate accurate representation of what was said. So that's usually where where I sweat the most is making sure that I'm quoting someone accurately. You know, yeah, it would be horrifying to be known as you know the reporter that went rogue and you know printed something that was off the record or misquoted somebody or something like that. And there's always mistakes. People make mistakes and, you know, I'm not afraid to admit if I've made a mistake. So hopefully I don't have to do that anytime soon. And yeah, you know, and there's always just doing better, like trying to make something smoother or articulate something more accurately. Like there's just always trying to do better, which I think is different than making a mistake, you know, and, and saying, okay, I, I need to fix that. You know, so the worst thing is to make a mistake and then make no attempt to fix it. Right? That's when it gets dark. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's when, yeah, that's mm -hmm. a problem. Totally. Yeah. But so with the, um, is it a non-disclosure agreement? No, it's just a release kind of just acknowledging, hey. Yeah, media I'm, release kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I'm going to put this out there. It's going to be yeah. on the internet. Right. It's going to be. It's going to be out there. People so. are going to see it. Yeah. So you, to kind of prevent the situation where you see it and say, oh, I, maybe I didn't exactly like what I said. Right. I'm going to pull down the episode. Yeah. So I can't. You know, it's out there. You yeah. Know, just a release. Just. Yeah. You can put it out in the ether. I'm mm -hmm. not going to try to sue you because you put it out. Right. You know, my policy is just generally, I, I did it, I'm done, I'm not going to watch it again, it'll drive me crazy. Yeah, I can't watch it. Once I put these out there, <laughs> I can't, I cannot go back to you it. You don't oh watch my God. Because <laughs> I watch it while I'm editing, I have to piece together the yeah, whole video, so I watch it exactly. doing that. And yeah. I, I'm hypercritical of everything that I do. And so <laughs> yeah. watching that is a torture session. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, this one's done, thank That's God. That's right. Hopefully we We're can done. try to do better in the next one. Shake it off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think I, I watched a portion of an interview that I did and I was like, okay, yep, that's me. I'm I'm good. That's fine. I got my done. Fill. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. It can be a little painful. Yeah. I like to be on the other side of the camera, you know? So um Well, this is perfect for you then. 
<laughs> I'm pretending. Yeah, no, I like to once in a while um, show my face, but I usually I'm just sort of fly on the wall or I'm the voice from behind the camera and they'll hear me say, um, reporting live for the redheaded black belt. And then that's that's all you get. That's There's no face. <laughs> I'd imagine you get a lot out of being that fly, though. Because people just, oh yeah, they kind of, it's, it's interesting. You blend in. You just blend in, I really and then like they it. say whatever. Yeah, sometimes people even forget I'm there. You know, if I'm not waving the camera in their face, and it's a pretty small little device. It does have, like, when I have it all set up, there's this little microphone attached to it, and it has this thing that I call the Einstein hair on it, which is just the wind buffer, you know, but it looks like Einstein's hair. So. That draws some attention, but if I if I can get away with not having that fancy thing on, um, then it's really incognito. I can just kind of sneak around, especially at like a public event where even if it's just something casual, it's just really fun to see people in their in their native environment. Just sort of, it's it's, it's a little bit like being at the zoo. I'm just watching people do their thing. They're out being their normal selves you know whether it's like the farmer's market thing or it's cops doing doing their work at a car accident or yeah it's really fun i particularly like protests because people are ready they want to talk they have something to say that's where the action they have this catchphrase there's usually a bullhorn and some chanting you know yeah so i had to get that microphone for those things and um it really did improve the sound quality with the little shotgun mic. And so it centers on the action and blocks out, like, say, noise from the road traffic or the bullhorn behind me or whatever it might be. So it kind of focuses where I need it to. It's been fun. Yeah. And it's perfect in today's world because everybody has their cell phone out. So you really yeah, just... Yeah, the reason I do this, um, not just because I can't afford a real camera, like a big camera, which would be my fantasy world to have actual camera equipment, you know, um, but I like to be able to kind of be Johnny on the spot and be able to instantly upload stuff and to, to live stream is really kind of a, a neat trick. And you can't do that with, with just your average camera, right? So I need to have that digital upload ability... And I can be sort of out in the field, you know, or mostly in front of the courthouse or wherever I am for whatever it is and upload things immediately for the editor or edit things in my device. You know, I sort of have my computer in my hand, so I'm able to work really quickly. Yeah, and that makes it doable. Like a lot of the time I'm not able to make it home to edit an article completely um, if it's if I have to get it sort of in under the gun, you know, and there's sometimes that I'm just sort of feeding details to to an editor and saying, which would be Kim Kemp doing the breaking news thing. So she's on one end writing it up and and summarizing the action. And I'm like at the scene feeding her details and information. It's really a tag team thing. So it's very exciting and fun just depending on what it is. You know, sometimes it's really sad. It's not fun. Yeah. Yeah, like we were talking about those accident ones. That would be yeah. hard. Or mm-hmm. the murder one. The That's... murder one is a little, yeah, a little disturbing. So how does that work? Are you, like, contracted out through Redheaded Black Belt and they just buy 
your uh-huh. stuff instantly or do you have to like auction your videos um no i so i check with um an editor before i start working on something and i'll say hey are you interested in an article about this um like basically i'll pitch an idea or i'll say hey i already have this lined up would you be interested in in either an article or a live stream for for kim i'll do the live streams for her so at the redheaded black belt so you know she'll either say um oh, we already have that covered, or sure, I need X, Y, and Z, you know, photos, videos, or something like that. So I'll just make sure that I have an outlet for it, um, and then just do whatever seems appropriate and write an article if I can. And then, um, yeah, so as a freelancer, yeah, I just sort of kind of pitch pitch what I'm doing, and either they bite on it or they don't. <laughs> so you more so start kind of with a lead or with mm-hmm. a with a general idea and pitch yeah. that it's mm-hmm. not you go out oh i'm just gonna film this and see if anybody wants that i i mean sometimes i take it upon myself and you know ask per you know forgiveness rather than permission kind of thing um and it's in my prerogative so i you know and when i do that i, I usually have a lot of material that i have nothing to do with at the end of the day because i'm not always able to sell an article or or have, you know, have somebody pay me to record something or whatever. So that's sort of what spawned the YouTube channel because I, I, I just needed to have an outlet for the stuff. So I just started making kind of little, uh, you know, pretty amateur videos, frankly, just to kind of put it out there as quickly as I was able to record it, basically. So it's not it's not polished, you know. Great spot for um, it, though. I saw you put. Yeah. I think you put out some stuff today. I did. Yeah, I did. I just. I was just working at the house before I left, and I thought, well, I'm just gonna upload this quick. So yeah, I, I segmented that interview, and I've got a few more pieces of it. That I can't wait to. Go. <laughs> I'm just gonna put a little um, caption at the front saying who who it is and what the question was, and then let him answer the question. You know. Yeah. I mean, perfect. You could just video and, mm-hmm. po- I mean, how great is YouTube? I'm a I little, love YouTube, actually. <laughs> I hate their censorship stance. Like, yeah, you know, what they kind of stand for is a problem. But yet, but I've had I... it by me. Oh, you have? Ooh. They pulled a whole video. Really? Like a, f- Ooh. I'm going to say it was like th- a three-hour podcast. Oh, my God. Pulled, yeah. What was the topic? This is where it gets dicey. Ooh. I had on a guest who was talking about election fraud. She felt okay. very strongly that. You know, it was going to come out that Trump had actually won. Okay. That there was a lot of election fraud. Mm-hmm. And YouTube was They're not like... having any of that. Wow. Yeah. They hit me yeah. with a with a strike or a warning for a strike. I don't right. think I got the full strike. <laughs> yeah. I think okay. they spanked me, but they didn't say, okay, Yeah. now we're going to have a problem. But they pulled the whole video yeah. and cited the fact that you are not allowed to talk about there being any election fraud on the platform in regards to anything. It's interesting. It's kind of a problem, right? Because what if you're talking about a local election? Election fraud itself happens. 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 It's, a, it's a thing. It's a phrase for a reason. It's a word. It's a thing. It's not a mythical animal. It's not a mythical animal. Yeah. So um, I, I do find that problematic. But, you know, I do also understand not giving somebody, um, you know, a, a f- free reign to spout fake news, right? That That's weird. But like, just that people, I'm, I'm kind of, we'll never understand. But I digress. So <laughs> you and me both. 
but yeah, I cannot argue with wanting to 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 kind of go explain that to me. Like, yeah, so putting that person on a you know and hearing what they say, I think would be interesting. <laughs> it was a great. I I really enjoyed talking to her. She's a, like much as I disagree. You know, yeah, she like, was great. Tell me the real election fraud. Can you define it? You know, she had a lot of she had a lot of stuff. I which was what was surprising mm-hmm. about that was that was the part that they flagged because I believe we had talked about dumbs, which are deep underground military bases where they're keeping oh children. We talked okay. about that, but that didn't get flagged. So you can talk about that. We talked a little bit about QAnon. That was safe. I'm like, which one is closer yeah. to the unicorn? I'm in this, you know, what are those charts called? The, um, the charts that looks, it's a graph anyway. Some chart. Yeah. But the, I'll figure the it thing out with that is my stance was believe that people are smart enough to form their own opinion. I'm not going to tell you uh-huh. what that opinion is. Sure. But I will present you with the idea. And this was earlier in the podcast where my comfortability pushing back wasn't quite what it is now. It's still not mm-hmm. perfect. And I have a lot of work to do, but I'm getting better. Sure. Actively trying to get better at yeah, least. Yeah, totally. And so. Me too. Yeah. I gave her a lot. Of, <laughs> I, I, I let her have a lot of reign, mm-hmm. which I think was warranted to some extent to express those ideas. Uh-huh. And my thought is, put it out there. People can listen and believe that they're sure. intelligent enough and they can form whatever decision they want. Yeah. And if someone's going to outwardly say something batshit crazy, let them do it. That That's an I right. don't know why that's not okay. Like, the can we is... talk about how crazy that is? So, you know, so I, I'm a fan of having the conversation as opposed to not having the conversation. That's where I was going with that is when you bury it, you give it validity. Because right. now people can say, oh, if they pulled the video, it's got to be because of something. What don't they want out there? What did oh. you say that was be- <laughs> I don't it's, know. I don't understand. Thing. Yeah. Because then it gives it warrant. Because, oh, if they're pulling down mm-hmm. these types of videos, it must be because they're true. Yeah. So people lean in more. Right. Whereas if it was just up and people could make videos supporting or shitting on it, you would see, oh, maybe I need to reevaluate some ideas. Or maybe you get reinforced yeah. in some. Right. But you don't get that aspect if you just shut it down. That's right. I mean, shutting it down is not it's not a good thing, I think. Um, you know, maybe put a warning in the corner saying, batshit, you know, I don't know. Maybe um, election fraud controversy alert. I don't know. Say something, but don't squash the conversation, you know. I think Facebook left it up, uh-huh. which, shout out to Facebook. That's They're doing a lot of shady shit, but that was a good That's thing. That's interesting, right? Yeah. Huh. Facebook let it up. I don't know how accurate their their targeting is though on that because I'm guessing mm-hmm. YouTube probably has a compiled right list of topics. Yeah, and they just run it through. Well, as that's processing. interesting. Maybe I should check because I have a lot of um, you know rally footage from you know Trump rallies. Uh, the Trump train rolled through from Fortuna to Eureka a couple times during the election. A um, couple of years ago, I guess. It was during the beginning of COVID, I think. I think. So, um, and little s- snippets of interviews with people from from um, election rallies. And um, I don't think any of them have been pulled or flagged or anything. But I'm not sure. Maybe I should go back and look. <laughs> you might have you know? slipped through. Yeah. I don't know how they... 
what their targeting looks like for that. Right. I wonder what they base it on, you know, like, what did you do? I wonder if it's um, search engine optimization related. Like Could if be. there's like a word in your title or if you or tag something. it with something. Yeah, maybe that. I'm not sure how they how they do that. It's got to be automated somehow. You know, there's not a person. There's got to be an algorithm. Actually, watching it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I'm not a. F- I'm not like first on algorithms. <laughs> Is YouTube your main go to for your clips? Yeah, yeah. I upload them to YouTube. I did just start an Instagram. It's Humboldt Freelance reporting on Instagram with a matching um, Facebook page. So, and the YouTube, same title, Humboldt Freelance reporting. So, um, you know, at the urging of Kim Kemp, <laughs> who's constantly pushing me to be be better and do more and be better. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's up now. And um, it's just kind of in the fledgling stages, so... But the YouTube channel's got a lot of old content on there. Um, Is the Facebook page new? Yeah. You should definitely... There's both. You should push your content to that. That's where I've noticed a lot okay. of growth is, is Facebook. So the crossover? Yeah. Facebook yeah. has been... There's okay. a lot of reach there still. Yeah. So that's what I did just this morning. I uploaded the two clips of this the interview segment and posted them to the Facebook page. So... We'll Facebook and Instagram Reels. Oh, okay. Reels are big, which people always say, and I always yeah. wrote it off because I'm not a big, I don't like social media, so I, I, me either. I would not use it if not for the podcast. Yeah, I have a, a little disdain for social media, right but, there. But, you know, uh, <laughs> here so we are. So <laughs> I finally tried Reels, and it's, yeah. it's kind of insane. Okay, you can, you can get your content out there. So to do a lot you of have people. to? I'm I'm not versed in Instagram yet. I feel like an Instagram idiot. So do you have to um, upload like a live video to it? Do you have to just go live or take a video? Or can you share a video that you've already produced to the reels? I got this. This is my confusion. I downloaded a Chrome uh-huh. add-on for my computer. So uh-huh. I actually do it from my computer because I yeah. don't even know how to do it from the phone. Right. Okay. Um, it's called Insist. That's probably my problem. <laughs> yeah, it's called Insist if you want to do it this way. I'm, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm going to look into this. It's yeah. called Insist, and you, I just upload it from my computer. So, like, if I pull a clip from the podcast, mm-hmm. I it has to be a minute or less. Okay. So, I'll clip that, upload it from my computer to Instagram yeah. through that. Because you can't access Instagram Reels through just the Instagram web browser. You have to use Insist or another platform like okay. it. Okay, okay. Because, yeah, I could do a lot of that. I just yeah. have not figured out really how to how to utilize it in the best way. Yeah. There are a ton of YouTube videos. I'm still not really the person to ask because I'm just... We're both I've done like three and out. I'm still... Yeah. Okay. You've done three more than me. Yeah. I've been adding <laughs> music to some, mm-hmm. not music to others. I'm still trying yeah. to figure out the tagging. Right. But it's yeah. kind of crazy. You can just... I think I have a whole five posts on my reporting Instagram channel. Yeah. It's really sad. I did... The IGTV videos. Did you do that? Mm-mm. I did a lot of those. Uh-huh. Those get some some okay traction, okay, but okay. reels, it's a it's a big difference. Mm, okay. And you know, my stuff is already really dorky political. So it's and like it's per- you could you already have the short clips there. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I, I bet have that some would really clips. take off. I'm gonna try to do that more because I just haven't learned how to figure it out, you know, how to make use of it, but I think that would behoove me. And, you know, I already have the material. I have so much material. I have so much material. So much. I have flashback material. 
oh my God, I have so much fun stuff. And I just would love to find a way to snip it and throw it out there. Even if it's just a flashback, I kind of have fun, fun things in store. But yeah, it's my constant battle. There's not enough time. Yeah. Editing is just the most time consuming thing. You're preaching to the choir. Seriously. So, oh, favorite quote coming to mind right now. Um, from Beowulf, Grendel, the monster, Grendel said, tedium is the worst pain. And it is. Tedium is the worst pain. I feel that, like, completely. So, you know, audio editing, video editing, super painful, very tedious, but very worth it. So you get this, um, you know, you get this product that you're proud of. You feel like you were an artist in some way, and it's also sort of um satisfying to be able to supply information to at least me <laughs> i feel like a nerd saying that but to to be able to give people information in a palatable way that that is interesting i i think that's cool it's fun yeah and it's your artistic outreach right that's how i feel about this even, yeah even reporting you put your creative spin on how you film the video what angle mm -hmm. you take that's it's true. It's your baby. It's always a work in progress. Like after this interview, you know, we were sitting at the Eagle House and it's this beautiful environment and even the sounds are cool, you know, and the background sounds and and um, I love old architecture and just Victorian stuff. So it's fun. So I'm sitting there thinking everything's looking great and I had played with my camera angle a bit and fussed with it and the lighting was weird at one spot so I switched and and then after the fact I'm looking at it and I'm going damn it this was not the best like why don't these look better why is the lighting off because it's dim in the freaking eagle house you know <laughs> so there's like little things that you know learning curve probably right and the fact that I'm working with just my iPhone is not the most professional, you know, high grade camera equipment we're talking about. It's pretty basic. So even though it's the most fancy one, but I digress, it's just not optimal, right, for every situation. So just looking at things after the fact and kind of having a little remorse. <laughs> but, you know, there's there's tricks, but still it's kind of like oh, if I had, if I had realized that at the time, you know, so there's always if, that. I don't know if that ever goes away. I don't think so. I can't, those, it, right? I'm sure I'll do with little challenges. That. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still, I, I think I'm always going to be going through that. Right. Always. <sighs> I'm hopeful that I'll get it right. One of these days it'll be perfect. I will have found all the kinks in my system you know, I'll know my equipment well enough to go, oh, this thing is going to adjust and I'll put it this way or all those things. But I don't know. I keep thinking more equipment is the answer. That, welcome to my <laughs> life. Take a look around. Yeah, I'm like, I'm taking notes here. <laughs> no, I swear. I'm thinking, God, I need to just get more options. I need more options, you know. So that's where I'm at, where I, I don't have enough to work with. Like, I want to play with, does this sound better this way? Does this look better with this? You know, like my new, my new thing that I want is a light to, um, to clamp onto the pole above the microphone. So that, you know, for that time in the, in the Eagle House, I would have had an, an extra light to angle. It would have been maybe better. Little things that you don't know until after, you know. After I don't thoughts. know. 
I don't know if I ever actually want to hit that moment of perfection. <laughs> I'm definitely chasing it. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah. I definitely, every time, yeah. every time, right. there's something to be worked on. Yeah. But in a sadistic way, I kind of like that because it always keeps mm-hmm. me in check. I never That's start right. getting too big for my riches. Saying, That's oh, I've, I've got, yeah, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. I never, I'm Flawless. always, I'm constantly humbled <laughs> by this podcast. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's yeah. a good way to be, you know. They think if, if you can always evolve, then then you're in a good spot. And being stagnant is, is sort of like, if you, if you feel like you're perfect and you can do, you know, you've reached the pinnacle of podcast success, then you may have hit stagnancy and not realized it. Right? Yeah. That's how I would feel too. There's that quote, and I can't think of what the words are, but it's when you stop... When you stop striving for, for for perfection and you think you've you've made it, mm-hmm. that's when you're really lost. Oh, yep. Because you're never. You should always be trying to hit that next pier mm-hmm. and reach that next level and mm-hmm. grind harder. Because there's yeah. always more work to be done. You could always be working harder yeah. at relationships, at your career, at your passions. Mm-hmm. There's always something. Yeah, that's totally true. That's totally true. And I think that like a lot of people maybe aren't. Um aren't aren't thinking that way aren't thinking proactively in that sense so you know it's it's refreshing actually to hear somebody say oh i'm tr- i'm striving to do better cuz i know what i'm doing is is can be improved on or, or or you know i'm learning right um that's great cuz yeah there's always more information to be had and i think perspective gives people that you know experience and perspective builds on that and you can't have um a lack of experience in something i think that's always good you know so yeah <laughs> okay well we've we've done like a solid two hours oh can, i was wondering we, yeah. how, how long has this i'm like where am i Time flies, right? we're gonna go and it's gonna be dark outside <laughs> exactly do you want to plug where people can find you, find your pages, oh, yeah. your new Facebook, your new Instagram. Yeah, thank you. Um, so Humble YouTube or YouTube. Humble YouTube. That's the new YouTube that's, that's coming out. That's the new out. YouTube. Yeah, no. It's Humble Freelance Reporting on YouTube. So you can find me there with little segments and clips. It's mostly stuff that has already been published or put somewhere, mostly on the Redheaded Black Belt. So I do reporting for the Redheaded Black Belt, and that's online and on Facebook, so you can find my reporting there. And then the new Facebook page is Ryan Hudson at Freelance, Humble Freelance Reporting. It's so new that I haven't figured out how to really say it smoothly. And then the Instagram is also Humble Freelance Reporting, and I think if you look at, if you Google my name, it'll pop up too. Yeah. And a website, which... Gosh, is also Humboldt Freelance Reporting. So um, I tried to Google my own website and it didn't pop up. So I'm not sure I have the link correct, but that's in the works. So yeah, it's okay. a thing. It's a thing. It's you out can there. Find it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Ryan, thank you very much. Thank you. Ryan Hudson, people. <laughs> that was that fun. Was awesome. that, that was, was, that was, was really fun.